So, anyways, anyway, speaking of getting our shit together, my shit is not together for this week. Me neither, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be good. We'll see. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Four Thirty in the Morning. This is your boy Ben, and Pat is back as well. How you doing, man? I'm here. Uh, episode number sixty-one. Sixty-one. Christmas was good. Christmas was great. Merry Christmas to all of our listeners. Yes, Merry Christmas to all of our listeners. We kind of broke down our Christmas exchanges before we got started today, but definitely it was a good Christmas. So Merry Christmas to all you guys out there. And get excited for 2022. Yeah, we're getting up there. Because we've got a lot in store for you guys in 2022, don't we? Yes. Anyways, episode number 61. I've got nothing. We're kind of at the point where I can't even come up with these football players. It's all offensive linemen in the 60s. Yeah, can't think of anyone. It's never the good ones. Usually the good ones are wearing 70s. Yeah. For the most part. Now, that's obviously not a set in stone rule, but sure, I got nothing for 61. It's kind of a random number. Can't think of any anybody for 61 either. Anyways, we do have some great news stories for you. So uh, Sure do. Ben, you want to get started with this one? Sure, let's do it. So this is from Unilad, UK. Okay. NASA hires priests to prepare humans for contact with aliens. And this is also my first news story. And, you me? Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> And a listener sent this one in after I'd already decided that this was going to be a new story. I got yeah. a message from a listener that sent this one in. So We can both do this one if we want. Yeah, my source was the New York Post for this one, and it said 24 theologians were hired. But it's pretty much going to be the same concept. Same shit, yeah. So why don't you go ahead and get started with this. NASA has enlisted the advice and expertise of 24 theologians to help predict how various cultures and religions from different parts of the world would react to alien contact. In 2014, Princeton University Center for Theological Inquiry in New Jersey was given a $1.1 million grant, which is where the research is now set to take place. Reverend Dr. Andrew Davison, a British priest and theologist at the University of Cambridge, is among the 24 who will debate how the heavily anticipated alien discovery would be received by different different religions across the globe dazed reports it's pretty crazy this information i guess was according to university of cambridge religious scholar named reverend dr andrew davidson yeah i see that who uh, was getting ready to publish a book that's due out in 2022 astrobiology and christian doctrine yes and so that's where this information is coming from this upcoming book now is that all you had with that story because i got kind of a breakdown of i have more but you can definitely get into it well the one thing that popped up immediately in my google search of this was the ap fact check on this story oh my god where they're saying no nasa did not hire 24 theologians to do this kind of study sure now the ap fact check this makes daniel funk's fact check look legitimate Mm. compared to what the ap put out (laughs) because they were talking about just the dumbest minutia they were saying basically that this was a hired study this wasn't actually they're not actually nasa employees therefore the claims aren't true and they were trying to get the timeline figured out and they weren't even looking at the information they were just trying to make sure that people weren't talking about it basically unreal it was so dumb they're like no nasa didn't actually hire 24 theologian it's like well they commissioned a study of 24 <laughs> theologians what's the difference exactly so anyways you want to get into the, a little bit more with this one davidson suggests possibly of god having created other life forms in the universe in his upcoming book he states non-religious people also seem to overestimate the challenges that religious people would experience if faced with evidence of alien life the former head of nasa's astrobiology institute carl pilcher explained the theologians were brought in 
to bridge the gap between science and religion, to consider the implications of applying the tools of the late 20th and early 21st century science to questions that have been considered in religious traditions for hundreds and thousands of years. So, it, I mean, it makes sense because there's going to be a lot of people that are going to have a hard time dealing with the, the fact that aliens exist. Oh, yeah, for Especially sure. Especially those hardcore, like evangelical type yeah you know and you're gonna see that in different uh in different groups like i told i told my grandmother about this story before i ran it this week and she thought it was kind of nonsense now obviously she's a very devout catholic sure but even the vatican has talked about this type of thing before so it's not right like it's that far out of established religious doctrine for this type of thing to be postulated sure but i was just upset seeing that ap fact check article because that was literally like the biggest waste of time ever like somebody got paid to write that are you surprised though i'm not surprised at all i just don't see in the ap everybody worships the ap as one of the most unbiased news sites ever and it's like no. they've got their own campaign going on to combat misinformation where they're not even you're not even using basic analytic skills Dude, they to were, break down the situation yeah ap is not not credible yeah they're they're losing i don't consider them a reliable source at all so no and obviously that kind of thing and that's the only fact check i saw about the story everything else is just the headline right and of course it's google feeding this to me if i use a different search engine i'm not even seeing that ap article because it didn't make <laughs> sense anyways so funny that's a pretty good news story um, Definitely. NASA is arming up. They're getting the intellectuals on board, the religious leaders. I mean, you may- know, maybe they think something might happen soon. There was that thing in, in Antarctica a few years ago where the Pope and, uh, like, the Russia, the Russian Orthodox, I, I want to call him a czar, but he's not a czar, like, their <laughs> version of the Pope. Sure. They all they both went down to Antarctica for undisclosed reasons. Mm. The claim was that they were analyzing the most peaceful place on Earth. Sure. But it could be that they had uh, they maybe you... had the summit with some alien leaders. Maybe the Council of Five has a base down there. Or how do you decide that's the most peaceful place on Earth? Because there's no people down there. That isn't. There's plenty of places where there's no people. Sure, but it's the biggest. I don't know. I guess. I'm just saying that it happened like ten <laughs> years ago. All right. Anyways. So you want me to do one now? Yeah, you can go ahead. Okay, this my my next two. That was my good news story. These are some really, really dumb ones. And this one comes from news18.com, which is out of India. I didn't know that India has a website just called news18.com. <laughs> 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 but this primarily covers Indian news, although we're going to Deutschland on this. What in the hell? With this article. We're going all around the world with this one. We definitely are. A woman bites woman during fight over dog discipline in Germany. The dogs only looked on and did not engage in biting during the fight between two women, German police said. This is ridiculous. I don't know why I found this one so funny, but... A woman bit another woman during a fight over the right way to discipline dogs in the eastern German state of Thuringia. A report by Deutsche Well says that the quarrel occurred after a 27-year-old woman saw a 51-year-old woman hitting her dog. The younger woman, who is a dog owner herself, allegedly took objection to such corporal punishment for the pets. The argument eventually led to a point where the two started hitting each other. In the course of the fight, the older woman fell down and dug her teeth into the calf of the other woman. (laughs) The dogs only looked on and did not engage in biting during the fight between the two women, German police said. Man, them frow lines, man. The women will soon appear in court on charges of causing physical injury. So, they were fighting over dog discipline. Now, you're not supposed to really hit a dog. No. But there are instances where you've got to do a little something. You pop do, them on the nose or yeah, whatever. Yeah, you, you can do like a little smack, you know, like, oh, you know. Especially if the dog's doing something stupid or dangerous or yeah, could hurt definitely. another person or whatever. If they're attacking somebody, you got to, you should be forceful. Exactly. Now, we don't know what, we don't have a breakdown as to what, what, what exactly happened, but... <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you imagine they're fighting over hitting the dog and then they start 
hitting each other, and then... Just goes and takes a chunk out of the woman's calf, you said? Have you ever had the impulse to bite somebody? I've been in some scrums before. That's not something that I've ever actually... No, I, I don't... That's no. not an impulse that yeah. would come up as a grown-up, at least. No, I had somebody bite me in a wrestling match once. That doesn't surprise me. It hurt really bad. Usually comes to blows. <laughs> they came to bites. You know, we're not, you know, that... Uh... Anyways, that's, that's, disgu- my, that's that's disgusting. It is. I wouldn't do that. I just don't feel like like. <laughs> how do you even get in that position? Like, how do you how do you get to that point where just, you're at the other end of someone's legs? And she you're, and you're you're she fell them. and she saw an opportunity. I think. Oh, she fell. Okay. Yeah. Unreal. That has to be the situation. That's hilarious. Anyways, that's my better of my two remaining news stories. So that's fantastic. What else do you got? So found this one. This is from Blaze News. Uh oh. Workers find time capsule inside base of Robert E. Lee statue. Historic believe it could be the 1887 box they've been looking for. Digging crews wrapping up the removal of the historic statue of Robert E. Lee in Richmond, Virginia, found what is believed a long sought after historical treasure inside the base of the statue Confederate General Monday. Time capsule from 1887, the Hill reported. They found it. This is likely the time capsule everyone has been looking for. <laughs> wait a second, <laughs> wait a second. So, they were looking for a Confederate time capsule associated with Robert E. Lee. Apparently. And they never thought to look underneath the statue <laughs> The prominent statue of Robert E. Lee. Right. And they've been looking for this thing since 1887. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe you have to, I mean, I guess you can't just go. (laughs) But if they've been looking for it. It's almost like, damn, I wish I could get under that Robert E. Lee statue. Jesus Christ. That's hilarious. I'm sorry. No, you're good. The copper box found at the base of the statue is believed to be a time capsule from 1887 containing around 60 objects, most of which are believed to be Confederate memorabilia. It's also believed that the capsule is supposed to contain a rare photo of former President Abraham Lincoln in his coffin, according to Smithsonian Magazine. Records from the Library of Virginia indicate that the contents of the capsule were donated by 37 Richmond residents, organizations, businesses, 134 years ago, according to press release from the governor's office. The capsule is scheduled to be open Tuesday at 1 p.m. at the Department of Historic Resources Lab in Richmond. Video footage of the event will be recorded and released Wednesday morning, the governor's office said. This is pretty freaking cool, man. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. I know there are going to be a lot of media people that aren't even going to talk about this. Of course not. But I think it's pretty interesting. I like seeing historical facts. I mean, we can't get rid of history just because right. it was bad history. You know what I mean? Exactly. And apparently they found one before this. Yeah, I heard that there was a second one but in the they, mix. But they think that it was just some random person that put one there when they were building the statue. Oh, okay. It, it only so had... So this isn't the official one. Yeah, the, the first one wasn't the official one. The second one was the big one. No, how they determined. <laughs> that i don't i don't understand but uh northam's office announced plans to replace the old time capsule with a new one earlier this year all virginians were invited to suggest new artifacts for the capsule once the statue had been removed that's pretty interesting and uh yeah the first box contained little more than a few papers some waterlogged books and a silver coin so there really wasn't anything (laughs) it could have been anyone uh rebel joe or whoever yeah, yeah you know so but yeah really interesting it's pretty Cool article. That's from The Blaze. If you guys want to check that out. Yeah, that's pretty good. And just real quick, I'm not going to get into this too much, but I was watching this thing about the Battle of Gettysburg and the ghosts associated with it for a second. Mm-hmm. And there is a guy out there that claims to have been, as a child, part of the United States government's secret time travel program. And he claims that he went to the Gettysburg Address as a time traveler. I think I've heard about this. And he claims that there is one photo from the address, and he's in it. Yeah. And he can point to the little kid that he says is him. <laughs> 
uh, during the Gettysburg Address in the photo, and I was just doing a little bit of thought for a second, because I've always heard the Gettysburg ghost stories. Sure. Now, the one thing that has always struck me about the Gettysburg ghost stories, as opposed to a lot of other ghost stories, is how, like, it's almost like the time has been blended in Gettysburg. Like, you can look through a little bullet hole that was from the battle into a barn, and people, like, looked in just to see what they could see, and they've seen, like, a military hospital set up, like a Civil War military hospital. Wow. And then when you hear the ghost encounters, there's always, a lot of times, a physical encounter with a soldier. That you, everybody just thought it's just been, oh, it's a really good inter- uh, reenactor. Or, right. And the one guys were out there, reenactors were out there doing a reenactment, and then a soldier walked up and was like, oh, it was rough out there. They were on Little Round Top, which I've actually been up there before. Yeah, you've been to Gettysburg a couple times, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, I was on Little Round Top, one of the hills that the Union held. And the and reenactors were talking to this guy, and they're like, this is the best reenactor we've ever saw, basically. <laughs> and he was in character, and he handed over a couple of cartridges to them. And he was like, hey, you guys are going to need this tomorrow because it's not over yet or something. Uh-huh. And they were looking at these cartridges, and they were like, number one, we can't put these in our guns because this looks like live ammunition. Right. Number two, these look really authentic. And then they brought them to one of the park uh, historians or whatever. And he was like, yep. I don't know where the hell you guys found these, but these are legit. Unreal. And they think that it had to have been a ghost because the reenactor was just too yeah. too authentic. Wow. That's awesome. And there are a bunch of stories like that. Where yeah. It's, it's almost as if time is like intermingled between present and past. So now mm. I'm thinking that with this time traveler theory guy, maybe Gettysburg is a site of a lot of time travel research. Huh. Because if they're creating these ripples in time where things are going to be popping up interdimensionally, sure. you want to do it somewhere where ghost stories would be thought of or right. thought about. And obviously there's no better place in America right now, or back when they started the program at least, than Gettysburg right? in terms of the volume of people that died. Everybody assumes it's haunted, but the stories are a little bit different with Gettysburg than they are everywhere else. Yeah, it's a good cover story for... So I kind of, sort of... I'm getting on board with this one now. Man, it's, it's pretty a, compelling. It's pretty compelling. Gettysburg is a site of secret United States government time travel research. I got to get to Gettysburg. Anyways, I'm sorry for hijacking that story. No, you're good. Anyways, I've got one more, and this is one of the dumbest news stories I've ever read in my life. And the source that every website is listing is from Grey News, which I haven't really heard of. I don't know if you've heard of Grey News before. Mm-mm. Every website has been citing Grey News as the source for this article. <laughs> woman runs onto Phoenix tarmac to stop plane she missed. A woman is facing charges after running onto the tarmac at Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport. <laughs> According to the police report, the door to the jetway was already secured when Vicki Myers of St. Louis, Missouri, tried to catch a flight Sunday afternoon. Instead of waiting for the next flight, police say she ran through the glass door separating the passenger area and the secure airfield. Myers was stopped as she ran down a flight of stairs towards the nose of the airplane. According to police, she told employees she was attempting to have the plane stopped so she could not miss her flight. Myers was charged with the first degree criminal trespassing on a crucial public service facility, which is a felony in Arizona. So she ran out of the out onto the tarmac. How'd she even get out there? <laughs> she ran through the glass door. Security didn't catch her until she was out onto the tarmac already. Jesus, Lord Almighty. Now, let's think about this for a second. If you are a pilot, you're on the runway, and some woman comes. It's like something out of the movie Airplane. Yeah, no shit. What What was her plan? Yeah, what What do you think the pilot's <laughs> going to do? do? Stop? Look out the window. Oh, shit. She's waving. We must. We must. <laughs> we must obey. <laughs> yeah. We must stop this however ton plane. Anyways, I told you that was my dumbest news story. That's hilarious. So. What do you think's going to happen? I, I don't know. You know. I don't even know what to think. Yeah, that's that's dumb. I don't even know what to I don't even know what to say to that. There's not a whole lot that can be said. And now she's got a felony charge on her <laughs> record. 
Anyways. Just wait till the next flight. Yeah. Like 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 everybody else. Like that was the best idea that she had in her head at that moment was oh shit, there it goes. It ain't leaving without me. I'm gonna jump I, on. I can't miss it. Unreal. That's hilarious. What, what could have prompted that? There had to have been a reason. I don't know. Anyways. Maybe she just really needed to get it on that plane. I don't know. We'll never find out because she's going to jail. Anyways, on to our main topic. And this is kind of a weird main topic. Then would you like to tell our listeners what we're going to be talking about today? We're going to be talking about conspiracies in sports. Yeah. Uh, sports conspiracies. Sports conspiracy theories. Uh, you know. Stories. I don't know. Did you do more proven things or did you do more hypotheticals? Kind of both. Yeah. I kind of suck more with hypothetical things. I'm just going to be throwing some ideas out there just based on things that I've seen. Sure. Now, with sports especially, these days, and it's been this way forever, but these days the money involved is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And the amount of oversight isn't nearly as much as you would think there would be for this type of thing because the ruling parties are just going to side with whatever they feel like. Like they want to at the moment. Honestly, like mainly what I've seen is ever since the big sports gambling shit really started, this is when you started seeing controversial shit happening in these leagues. And I, I feel like before that, it was more of, in a lot of cases, the athletes themselves. Yeah. Doing, doing certain fixes and stuff like that. Like I have a couple stories where there are some athletes themselves fixing games in, in the game. Yeah, and that's part of what I want to talk about a little bit is the gambling aspect. That's kind of the yes. last thing I was going to talk about. Well, yes. we'll see. We'll see if uh if what you end up bringing up isn't going to be some of the stuff that I was thinking about talking about too. But there are lots of different just weird scenarios and most of it seems to be financially motivated in terms of what most I've been researching. Time, yeah. And I did I did one basketball one I want to talk about that isn't a gambling. It's just a funny coincidence I think that mm-hmm. could have been something. And then there's a couple more I want to talk about that are kind of NFL related. Mm-hmm. Now, most of my theories are just things that I've thought about. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been just watching the game for a while, and I'm like, I think there's something going on between these two guys or this team and this guy or something else. Right. Anyways, so now we got that out of the way. Uh, what's your first uh, story for this main topic? So, so this can lead into a lot of, you know, a lot of shit, but I'll start off with something particular. The, um, the 2002 Western Conference Finals in the NBA. Yeah, so this one everybody talks about. Now, is this yeah. the Kings and the Lakers? This was the Kings and the Lakers. Yep. Now, allegedly, people believe that the NBA influenced referees and made sure that the Lakers would have a chance to beat the Sacramento Kings during Game 6 of the 2002 Western Conference Finals. Now, this was really brought to head by a guy named Tim Donaghy. I got him down. You know about this guy? Yep. Now, he was an NBA referee from 94 to 2007. Yep. And... Now, this guy alleges all kinds of shit, and he's a character himself. Do you remember, I don't know, were you watching any sports news or reading anything back when this thing broke? No. This was all that they talked about for a good, <laughs> like a good month straight was a scandal, so I know all about this one. Right. He alleges that NBA ordered officials to basically favor certain teams, and uh, a lot of people think this happened during the uh, 2006 finals as well between the Miami Heat and the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, and he points to a lot of different games that happened. In a lot of different situations, yeah. And this guy was like in a flat-out Sopranos-level mafia gambling thing. Yeah. And that's what ended up taking him down. And it was funny because somebody had tipped the league off about him, but he wasn't even brought down until the FBI had a different mafia gambling scheme. (laughs) 
that they were able to, they just picked him up along the way, basically, as a name that somebody that was working with the mob as a informant, basically. Right. And, you know, he was arrested for all this shit in 2007. Yeah. And, you know, he would bet on games he would fucking officiate. <laughs> and yeah, that's the real kicker, man. Like, that's just absolutely ridiculous. And it's hard for me to believe that the NBA didn't know about this. Because this guy gambled all the time in the offseason. He went to casinos. He wasn't just betting in sports. He was just a gambler in general. Sure. And that's one thing you have to look at at least a little bit. And it wouldn't take much more than, well, technically, he sh- there should be on his W-2s or his W, whatever, yeah. his income. So that kind of tells me that maybe the NBA, you know, to keep their profits up, wanted certain teams to win because they had bigger markets. Oh, yeah. And that's been alleged since the NBA has been a big thing. And that's the same thing that I want to talk about with the NFL a little bit. Yeah. I think the same thing goes on both places. That's basically my first story just to kick off, you know, the Tim sure. Donaghy shit and the fixed games and everything like that because it's hard for me to believe that shit still doesn't happen. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then uh, the thing, even with Tim Donaghy, where he got his start was he met a couple of mafia associates, East Coast, New York mob. I don't know what family, probably the Lucchese's or the Gambinos or <laughs> right, maybe the Bananos. I don't know. It doesn't seem like a Colombo thing or a Genovese thing. Probably Bonanno. Anyways, I know a lot about Gambino. The New York, I know a lot about the New York mob. Did you ever watch uh, the American Mob? Yeah, thing I've seen on it. Netflix. Yeah, that was really good. I that watched all good. that. Yeah. But what he got, where he got his start was, it wasn't even betting on games. What he would do is he would sell information to gamblers. Yeah, yes. And he was really good. And obviously, being an official, he knows a lot more about the league because he knows who yeah. might be playing with an injury, who might, right. who two players that just don't get along, or a ref and a player that don't get along. Mm-hmm. So... He had a lot of information, and that's how he started. Now, obviously, he was really good at it, and he was a gambler. Right. So there's no way he's just going to stop. Right. And then he came out. He wrote some books. He actually served, what, like 15? No, he got sentenced to 15 months in prison. I don't think he served that. I think he served only 11, but he was in prison for a while. Yeah. And he even claims that like the mob had guys in, inside that were beating him up because he was getting beat up inside <laughs> over it all the time because he kind of just came clean about everything. Like he might as well. He Shit. told all. And again, like like you said, I have a hard time not believing that type of thing exists, especially in the David Stern era. Yeah. And it's different these days because the new commissioner, Adam Silver, just lets the players walk over him. Like the NBA is the LeBron James League at this point. 100%. There, so. There's another conspiracy about David Stern that he rigged the 1985 draft. Yeah. They wanted to give Patrick Ewing to the to Knicks, the Knicks, yep, and it didn't produce the outcome that they wanted. <laughs> Although Patrick Ewing ended up becoming a Hall of Fame player, sure, great, one of the greatest players of all time. They didn't. I don't think they ever won a championship with him. Mm. I don't think he ever won one. Anyways, if you want to keep on that tangent for a second, I got another. Sure, go ahead. A really quick NBA conspiracy theory. I wasn't gonna do this one. Now this there's there's not as much evidence with this one. Are you familiar with Michael Jordan? <laughs> Yes. Do you have this one too? No. Okay, good. Michael Jordan was an NBA player. He played for the Bulls back in the 80s through, I think he ended up playing into the 2000s. He retired a few times. But after the Bulls won their third straight championship in, what, 1996 or something, he announced his retirement from basketball at the peak of his game. It was 93, I think. Was it? I can't remember. Yes, yeah. it was It was because they won 96-98. They won the 96-97-98 NBA championships, and then 90-92. to 92. Yeah, he he retired in 93. Okay, that's right. Yeah, pretty sure he came back, right? Yeah, because I think they won the first year that the Pistons didn't win. Because the Pistons won the, had the bad boys in the late 80s. I think that his first championship was their last championship. Yeah, don't quote me on that. I think it's 93. I'm not, I'm not a bas- basketball. Me neither. One of my <laughs> less 
knowledgeable sports. Right. But they said that because he retired for two years, he played baseball. Yeah. The story is that Michael Jordan was also a gambling addict. Yeah, I saw this one too. And yeah. his foray into baseball was a secret undercover suspension that the league issued to him. Yes. As a gambling punishment because the league couldn't suspend their most marketable player, but they couldn't just let him keep gambling. Right. So the story is that they let him go play baseball for a few years as a under-the-table yeah. suspension. I, I, I read that one, and apparently this guy from ESPN that directed a documentary about Michael Jordan going into baseball. Sure. I think it was called, I don't know what the show was, 30, 30, 30 for 30, 30 for 30. Yeah. And he was, he basically was just debunking all of it. How it was all bullshit. That doesn't surprise me, but it's a funny theory, but it like, it could be true. Yeah. I don't see how it, you know, he didn't really give anything, any evidence to suggest it wasn't real. Sure. So, you know, you can call bullshit all you want, but anyways, I got yeah, one more, one. I got one more basketball theory for you for a second. Go ahead. Now this one I find kind of funny just because I don't really follow the NBA a whole lot, but the Two players involved in this one have been players that I've been following for a while, mostly because they both played for the Pistons, but at different times. The one guy played for the Pistons for a while, and then he left, and then the other one kind of showed up like a year later. Okay. Now, these two guys have been in the NBA since 2011, and they're identical twin brothers. Their names are Marcus and Markeith Morris, and they're identical twins. They were drafted in 2011. I think Markeith went 13th overall somewhere, and then Marcus went 14th overall back in 2011. Identical twins, except Markeith Morris is an inch taller than Marcus. I think Markeith is like 6'9", and Marcus is 6'8". Now, these guys are 30. I think they're 32 now. They're still both in the league. They're both pretty good contributors in the NBA. They've never been all-stars or anything. They on the bench? Like, they come Um, off the bench? It depends. They've been... It depends on what team they're on because they they serve a specific role sometimes the team needs that role as a starter sometimes they don't need them as a starter but they're kind of like power forwards mostly although they're a little bit different they play a little bit differently sure but they've been starters probably more than they haven't been starters in the league and they played together for a while they both signed a smaller contract with the phoenix suns to play together that's cool but then the phoenix suns started trading them away like he traded the, <laughs> they, they but yeah like one of them got traded away and they got really upset because they signed that deal yeah. just to play together and then the team just trades them away it is a business, I guess. Now, I like these guys. Now, these I like them because they both play for the Pistons. I think Marcus was there first, and then Marquise was there first. And they've got the same. They all got. They both got a bunch of tattoos, but they're all exactly the same. Like these guys are like. That's hilarious. They're like they're really tight with each other. Sure. And basically, like these days, they're kind of like LeBron stoppers. They're really good at covering LeBron because they're big and they're jacked up and they're rough. Sure. Now they have accumulated over a hundred technical fouls between the two of them in their Jesus. career. <laughs> Uh, at least a dozen ejections. Damn. Um, Markeith is the bigger thug. He has picked up four games worth of suspensions in addition to... They, they're pretty equal with their technical fouls. I mean, they get... <laughs> like, in 2018, they were both, like, in the top five in the league for technical fouls. They were both getting, like, 15 technical fouls a year. That's a lot. Which is, like, one every five games or, That's or something. ridiculous. And they have combined to pay a total of $999,000 in fines. <laughs> So I found that kind of funny. Now, bear in mind, you get a hit with a $2,000 fine automatically for every technical foul. Sure. But their NBA career rap sheets are like a mile long each. These are rough guys. They 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 play physical. And they also beat up people together. How, how big are their contracts? They've both made like, I think Marcus made like $59 million so far total in his career. That's pretty good. I don't know. Markeith is probably in the same ballpark. Because they, they despite the fact that they claim that they're different players, they both are 25 minutes a game, about 12 points a game, <laughs> rebounds, and a little bit of defense is what you're going to get out of them. Now, they're mostly defenders. They're like really good defenders mm-hmm. because they're, they're rough. <laughs> they're kind of just, you know what I mean? They're just thugs, man. They're just out there yeah, killing it. I don't like using the word thug, but. I mean, not 
these are these are not not in the sense that they're bad people, thugs. These they're are just, not guys that if you're playing basketball, you want to piss off too much, basically. <laughs> right, exactly. And they're big, and these guys are like sure, some, a couple of the more jacked. muscular. Yeah. <laughs> now the conspiracy theory with these guys, because obviously they're identical twins, is in Game One of the 2017 Eastern Conference Semifinals. The Washington Wizards and the Boston Celtics played. Markeith Morris played for the Wizards. Marcus Morris was a piston back then, and they were they were out of contention already. Mm-hmm. Early on in Game One, Markeith Morris went down with a pretty bad ankle injury. Like Damn. it was pretty early on. I think he only played 11 minutes at that point, and he went down and it looked bad. Like yeah. it looked really bad. He did not play the rest of the game. Damn. Now in basketball, especially ankle injuries are bad and they're very visible. You can always tell if a guy's playing with a bum ankle if he's trying to play through the pain. Yeah. Anyways, he didn't play for the rest of Game One. Game Two happened two days later. Markeith Morris is back out there. I think he was even <laughs> in the starting lineup, and you wouldn't even even thought that he had an ankle injury that took him out of the game prior because they were talking about they were like shit. He might be out three four games with that ankle injury just depending. Yeah, probably a good sprain, huh? He was out there the next game without missing a beat. He had like one of his best pl- games of the playoffs that day. Now they do give these athletes like really good drugs. Sure, but even everybody else would have been out for a while. Sure. That's the problem. The conspiracy theory is that Marcus flew into town, suited up in his brother's oh uniform. My God. <laughs> And uh, and played. Now I've watched these guys play because these were like they were both Pistons back when I was really into the Pistons for a while. So they were kind of one after the other. Dude, if they pulled that off, they could both, you imagine? They both adamantly deny it, but they did come out and say that they did they did pull it off back in the AAU ball. <laughs> one of them was fouled out, and the other one rolled an ankle, and they were able to swap their jerseys real quick on the bench, and nobody noticed. Unbelievable. And the 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 guy that fouled out, I think it was Marcus that fouled out, limped in as if. Right. He was playing on a bum ankle. That's ridiculous. No way. So these guys have done it before. And then when you factor in their $999,000 worth of fines that they paid, it's not like these are goody two-shoes NBA players. Right. So I don't know. That is a bunch of, man, they're like troublemakers, man. They're like. (laughs) Yeah. They're like Fred and George Weasley of the NFL. (laughs) Honestly, no, that's that's a perfect comparison. I'm not a Harry Potter fan. That is hilarious. That's a perfect comparison because they kind of do like kind of the beater role, basically. Sure. Like the power forward is kind of like the beater of right of Quidditch or basketball. Yeah, that's hilarious. So that's that's honestly a great comparison in my in my opinion. Dude, good for them. But these guys, like you, wouldn't be able to tell the difference between the two of them. That's looking hilarious. at them, they're like exactly the same. So, dude, I hope they pulled it off. Honestly, that's that's great. Again, they deny it. But, you know, there have been other times where they've alleged this, too. Like, the one time, I think it was last year they said that this happened. I think one of them was playing for the Lakers. And one of them's a better three-point shooter than the other one is. Mm-hmm. And the one guy went down, and the other one that sh- shoots three-pointers, they, they thought that he got subbed in or whatever. Wow. Because he was five for five on threes that day. That's hilarious. So I Oh, know. I hope that happened. I thought that was kind of funny, the Marcus Marcus and Markeith Morris. That's a really, that was a really good story. I enjoyed that one. Anyways, so what you got? this one isn't really a conspiracy, but it's pretty funny. Uh, this one kind of relates with a guy that is not far from us, a couple hours. Uh-oh. So back in 2009, on May 6th, a federal grand jury in Detroit indicted six former University of Toledo athletes, three each from the school's football and basketball programs, on charges of conspiracy to commit sports bribery in relation to their alleged involvement in a point-shaving scheme that ran from 2003 through 2006. Yeah, it's, I think it, it is I believed s- to be. The, go ahead. I think I saw something about this back in the old days. Yeah, this one was crazy because this one went on for four years. Yeah, a wasn't long this time. with them? Weren't they involved with the mob, like the Detroit mob, or what's left of the Detroit mob, or something? 
I didn't see anything on that, but this, this is just this didn't get into it didn't too, make too crazy detail. It didn't make national news as much as some of the other ones have. No, because it, it wasn't um, um, the biggest one that made the news was the football player. Sure, I'll be getting into him. It is believed to be the first major U.S. gambling case involving two sports at the same college. Since then, four former Toledo athletes, including at least one not named in the original indictments, have pleaded guilty on charges related to the scheme. One of these, former Rockets running back Quinton Broussard, he uh, admitted to deliberately fumbling the ball during the 2005 GMAC Bowl against UTEP. Oh my God, he deliberately fumbled? <laughs> right. They, but Toledo ultimately won 45 to 13. What? It exchanged for $500. <laughs> What 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 kind of bet was going on? Because point, exactly. point shaving for those of our listeners that don't know is dependent upon maintaining the point spread. Meaning the point spread is basically uh, Vegas's way of making sure that half betters bet on one team, half bet on the other. Yes. So what they do is basically if the, like the Browns are favored heavily over the Steelers, they will subtract whatever amount of points from the Browns score as after the game ends and then see who actually won. Right. And trying to get 50% of people to bet on the Steelers and 50% to bet on the Browns. Mm-hmm. So with a 45 to 13 score, what are they? I have no idea. <laughs> and Toledo won, but this guy deliberately fumbled for $500 anyways. What kind of bet could have been going on? Because I've never seen a point spread that ridiculous. Yeah, and and this guy apparently had been paid to provide confidential team information to one of the orchestrators of the scheme. Unless, you know what? It could have been an over-under situation. Because there's also the over-under in gambling, where you combine the two scores. Like, so let's say the Browns and the Steelers are going to play. The combined score between the two teams is going to be like over yes. or under 59 and a half points or whatever. Yep. Maybe that's what it was. And this, uh, I was reading this long, I didn't add it into this uh, conversation, into this episode, because it was way too long. But this guy was explaining how Vegas 100% impacted a game, and he broke it all down. It was pretty freaking compelling. I think it was a 2010 game against, I think it was the Chargers in Denver. Sure. And he was basically explaining everything that happened with the, the referee calls, with all the way down to the play calling of the game, how Vegas easily manipulated that game to make sure that um, certain amount of points were not reached in that game between yeah. the two teams. And it was pretty freaking compelling, man. It was ridiculous. It is ridiculous to see the lengths that these types of things go to. And it's like, and, and, and Vegas has the ability to get in the pockets of everybody. Players, yeah. coaches, referees, the ball boy, the water people. And what's funny, too, and a lot of people that are anti-conspiracy theory in general are like, oh, you need to get everybody on board for this. And no, you don't. You just need the right people. Yeah, you need the right the people. Yep. And there's a really good documentary. No, it wasn't great. It was a sports documentary on Netflix I just published within the last six months. It was about these like sports conspiracy theories, except they did one American sports and the rest of them were like European cricket and horse racing. And it was the shit that I just didn't give a, yeah. know, couldn't give a fuck about. But the first one was college basketball back in the 1990s. Very similar to the Toledo one because that's what it reminded me of immediately was the University of Toledo scandal. Because I remember seeing that a little bit. Mm-hmm. This one would have happened in 94 with Arizona State basketball. I think it was Arizona State. But it was a New York gambler. I think he was mob connected, but I'm not positive. Young guy. Got in touch with Arizona State's star player whose nickname was Headache. I can't remember what the hell his real name was, but his nickname was Headache. <laughs> Jeez. And he ended up playing in the NBA for a little bit, but this destroyed his reputation as a player because he was, it was all point shaving. It was, hey, I need you to do these things for me. I'm not going to, I don't want you to throw a game because this guy refused to throw a game. Or uh-huh. so he said, I think he ended up actually doing it later on. But you can't win 
above a certain amount. And they would he would call in and he would just call with a number. He'd be like six points. Don't let it get above six points. Don't win Unreal. by more than six. So he would he would assign a fee like it was like twenty thousand dollars. Now what this guy was doing with five hundred bucks to fumble, I can't figure that out. Because I, ten you gotta be desperate. Exactly. Because ten years ago headache was getting twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, no shit. To do this type of thing. And it would be like, well, you know, here's your fee. You if you want to bring somebody else in, you have to negotiate out of your fee how much they're gonna get paid for doing whatever. Mm-hmm. But just don't let it get out of hand basically. Only go with guys that you're gonna trust. Yada right. yada yada. Right. So he had one guy in the mix for a little bit, but it depends it was like game to game who you would bring in if you would bring anybody in and like the thing that started to give it away was the one play they were down five and they were supposed to lose by two or they weren't supposed to win it was something that's like it was a point where they were out of the game already but a three-pointer would have pushed the spread and you could see him chucking a three-pointer that he never should have chucked because the game was over uh-huh. just for spread implication basically right so unreal you know and reading that shit pisses me off because well, like sports, sports should be the one thing that isn't fucked with, man. Yeah, it, it it just shouldn't. It's like the only way out of everything in life. You watch sports to not think about anything else. I know, and I agree with that to an extent. But like, and it's a shame because it is it is the one avenue of unscripted storytelling if you think about it. It is because you could watch like I I would consider following a, a, a sports franchise to be like watching a season of a TV show. Right. Except it's not written so allegedly. Like I like or I even. Like I honestly believe, like I don't know, there like you can pick out like pre two thousand ten, like you can pick out some horribly called football games, sure. But post two thousand ten, I could I could write up a list of just unbelievable bullshit games that I've watched that yeah. I've witnessed myself week in week out, especially in the NFL. And I agree with you there, and it feels like like do you remember how exciting games used to be? It doesn't feel like that anymore. Yeah, and it's gotten to the point, too, where me and my father will just call outcomes. Yes, We'll be like, oh, here's what's going to happen. We don't even need to watch anymore. And I forget what game was it. It was the Ravens game like three weeks ago where the Browns actually won, which was the first time that we got the outcome wrong as we were watching it. (laughs) And it was like even this week with the Packers interception where it was blatant pass interference. Now, Baker was being an idiot, but I just walked out of the room. I was like, I know that there's not nothing's going to happen because that is the script. That's how it's written. The Browns got hosed 100%. But then even even if you break down the early your calls there were blatant face masks just being ignored dude like every altering face masks like every single game like not even talking about my own team like every single game that i've watched and i've watched a lot of football this year it's every single game they're missing face masks in key moments of the game too this isn't just random parts of the game and it's like it's, yeah exactly it's like flags are only being thrown when they're convenient to be thrown it, exactly so it and is kind of annoying. It's it's ridiculous. Like personally, like the last super exciting game that I can honestly feel that I watched was the Pittsburgh Arizona Super Bowl game. That game was so exciting. You didn't know what the hell was gonna happen. I know if I watched that one. The the team dude Watch the highlights of that game. It's unreal. That game was so exciting. It was such a good game. But, you don't see that shit anymore. But then I was thinking about it, too. Um, Roger Goodell does not operate with a moral compass. Right. That guy, I don't understand. Well, I get the idea of him being a money first executive and that's just what he is that's what executives do mostly but the entirety of the game to me has just dwindled 100 beyond belief with this guy and for example so this is one of my conspiracy theories is the the well the football team formerly known as the redskins dan snyder their owner yeah who if you look at the news breakdowns of what he does in his building especially to the women that work there Mm. it's just ridiculous it's unbelievable shit that they do and there is there's never been like actual investigations being done now when john gruden got fired he was a scapegoat he was a scapegoat but there was actually part of the nfl's investigation if you want to call it an investigation into what the washington football team was doing 
Sure. They found those emails as a part of that investigation. Yeah. And these were emails that John Gruden sent back when he wasn't even working for the league. He was working for ESPN right. back then. Right. And they found it in Bruce Allen's email cache when they were trying to see what the Redskins or what the football team was really doing. So shady, man. So my question is, well, why the hell, if this was part of the investigation, what happened with that investigation? What do they do? We're not going to find out. And there was never, it's always been a slap on the wrist penalty for Dan Snyder. My conspiracy theory is that Dan Snyder has some serious shit on Roger Goodell somehow some way mm. now when you get into some of the allegations of what dan snyder has been involved in i gotta be kind of careful but there's stuff with the cheerleaders especially mm-hmm. and it kind of gives me like jeffrey epstein vibes no in terms shit. of what the hell's been going on now he got thrown into that investigation he came out and said that that's not true and he sued the people that tried to say that he was part of it mm. i don't know what the hell happened with that but there have been a lot of stories that have been leaking from the like the cheerleader side where they've been doing some weird now i'm not going to say outright sex trafficking but some weird shit photo shoots and stuff that should never have been allowed right where no consent was being given right i wonder if there's more going on with that angle and if roger goodell is somehow involved in that mm-hmm. now might be honest something. the problem with that too is we have already had an nfl owner get ugh, caught up in that type of thing yeah robert Kraft. yeah getting getting had at a massage parlor that was linked to human traffickers but it doesn't matter because it doesn't matter he, he's robert, won six super bowls yeah it doesn't matter because it's robert Kraft. but they got video of him doing this right. shit it's not like you can even argue with that right so maybe 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 not but i think there's something going on with roger goodell that dan snyder has over his head it seems like maybe a lot of those um nfl owners might have some shit on roger goodell it could be but then again too the football team has been consistently in shit like every aspect of their operation has just been ridiculous over the last 10 years yeah look at trent williams for example he got pissed off at the team because he had a growth on his head and they were like oh it's just just from your pads man don't worry about it don't worry about it yeah it's ridiculous that ended up becoming a precancerous tumor that if it, that was left untreated that would have given him brain cancer right the doctors were like don't worry about it and they tried to act like he was being the idiot for that whole thing i mean he so didn't, he, didn't, he didn't get as bad as tyrod taylor well yeah but it wasn't even it's like this blatant mismanagement of a player's yeah. health unreal everybody was like oh he's the asshole for sitting out he sat out for what a year and a half two years right trent williams did but it's like how can how can this type of thing be allowed nobody really talked about that as much if he's pointing to a problem and hey, I want this checked out, they're like, don't worry about it. He gets an independent analysis and it's like, good thing you came in, man. Yeah, no You left shit. us untreated for much longer. That would have turned into brain cancer. That could have killed him. Unbelievable. All because Dan Snyder can't handle doctors or can't hire doctors that want to do their shit. Now it worked out for Trent Williams because he uh, became the highest paid tackle in the league. That's probably what did it, <laughs> which is ridiculous. But he's a good player. He plays for the 49ers now. But he's he's really good. Yeah, talk about a bad call on Trent Richardson. Uh, Trent Williams. Trent, I'm sorry, Trent <laughs> Williams. <laughs> I, think, I think every call on <laughs> Trent Richardson's been a bad call. But um, I remember watching it live. I think it was, um, I want to say the Titans. Um, I think it was the, was it the Titans? I can't remember. I For some reason, I, I remember Bud Dupree. But Bud Dupree false starts, but the play still goes. They don't call a false start. Trent Richardson's late. I mean, Trent Williams is late. How the hell do you false start on defense? Not false start. Encroachment. <laughs> okay. Neutral zone of action. Whatever. Sure. He crossed the fucking line. Okay. Over the line. Yep. Yep. They didn't call it, but obviously Williams is late to the block. He ends up getting a face mask. He ends up hitting his face mask with his hand because he's late to the block. Sure. They call the they throw the flag on on, on Williams and they get they get fifteen yard penalty. Yep. I'm just like, how do you not see that? How do you miss that? Well, like, it happens all the time. How do you miss that? It's unbelievable. The, like the the officiating has been so bad, it's been so bad. Shit, last week Preston Smith jumped off sides. None of the Browns' offensive linemen moved. Now this was on the left side of the line where Preston Smith jumped off. Now he was like two yards across. Right. They threw a flag on the right guard. <laughs> 
unbelievable. <laughs> Who didn't move. It's unbelievable. And I feel like ever since Roger Goodell's been in the league, in the rules that have been made, it's, it's almost like easier for the refs to decide games with these goddamn rules. Oh, yeah. I agree with that 100%. And then again, too, when you look at Roger Goodell's MO. Yeah, no shit. Anyways, I do have one more NFL conspiracy theory. Now, this is one. I've kind of heard this floated out a little bit, but this is mostly a, a pet conspiracy theory. Again. Sure. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders. You know how they got rid of... Well, John Gruden resigned due to the whole yeah. email scandal that we alluded to earlier in this discussion. There have been talks about the Raiders trying to find a way to get out of John Gruden's contract well before this whole thing happened. Hmm. Because John Gruden signed that massive 10-year, $100 million contract, yeah, which huge. that's got to be the biggest contract a coach has ever gotten. Yeah, I've never seen a commitment like that. The Raiders obviously were in Oakland and they were trying to relocate. I don't think they relocated until what, last year when they finally relocated. Yeah. So now they're the Las Vegas Raiders. They There have been rumors going on with the Raiders that they are a cash poor franchise meaning they don't got a lot a lot of money sitting in the bank sure the money that they're bringing in is going right into operations basically sure now mark davis is the owner well the principal owner of the raiders right now now he only owns 47 percent, and he doesn't even own that outright he has to share it with his mom Jeez. so i guess he only owns like 23 and a half percent of the team sure. technically sure but he has been the controlling owner since al davis died he's been the, the controlling owner the principal whatever mm-hmm. and i guess the way that the, that the team is written it's that that 47 percent share is enough to control the team so i guess that's just and it's in the contract or whatever mm. but his net worth is only listed to that like 500 million and i think the team's valued at like 3 billion so everything all of his net worth is tied up with the team it's not like he's got a lot of money sitting around right supposedly now to add to this like he was driving around like a 1997 minivan as his like primary <laughs> car and then if you look at his haircuts he's obviously not paying anybody to cut his hair so maybe maybe man, that's that part of the kinda, problem man that must kind of suck and he's not even a billionaire in this billionaires club, basically. And then even people, even people that know him, say that he just like hangs out at coffee shops, and he's just like just a guy, basically. Anyway, unreal. When they moved to Las Vegas, he had a huge ass, a fourteen million dollar mansion built. When the Raiders moved to Las Vegas, I think he was part. He helped the league get those Roger Goodell emails out in order to get out of that contract, or the John Gruden emails rather. Mm-hmm. I think he wanted to get rid of John Gruden to pay for his mansion. Now, when it comes to like player personnel, I, obviously that money is all accounted for, but hiring your staff, that's a different part of football operations and getting sure. the money for that's a little bit different than paying your players. Obviously you have to pay your players, right? Coaches don't have a union backing them up. Who isn't to say this cash poor franchise needed to get out of that uh, yeah. John Gruden that contract. That was a big contract. And you know what? It, I know they were all coming out after the fact with John Gruden, yeah. but it seemed like a lot of people didn't like the dude. It seems like it, but Looking at the whole situation, I think that was part of it. I think that 100%. I think they wanted to free up some money. I bet, man. I mean, and it I've makes heard, sense. It makes total that, sense. I've heard that get talked about before then, though. Like they sure. were like, hey, they got to get out of this contract because they're cash poor. They can't afford this. They really can't write the check that they're trying to write. So maybe that was part of it. Could be. Anyways, that's about all I got for conspiracy theories. Do you have anything more? Yeah, I, I could do, I could do like, one more quick one. Sure. You know the NFL referee John Perry? Parry. Okay. So this is kind of a stupid conspiracy it's not really a conspiracy it's just kind of i found it on from sp nation it's kind of funny it's probably not true but um so perry was promoted from side judge to referee in 2007 since then he has been assigned to seven rams games okay now he was picked to be super uh the referee in the Rams super bowl sure versus the patriots and everybody thought that was a little bit controversial because of a couple of things. Now you, you you would think you would think it would be okay because he's from Indiana. He lived in Ohio. I'm pretty sure. So you know a guy that's not from Southern California like the previous game, Bill uh, Binovich. Sure. 
who refereed over the famous terrible no pass interference call uh, with the Saints and the Rams. Mm, yep. You would think the NFL would get a non-biased ref in there for the, you know, for the NFL game. You would think. John Perry, uh, he was assigned to seven Rams games, and the Rams were 7-0 and in all those games. Okay. And what's crazy is the Rams didn't even have a winning season between 2004 and 2016. No, they were terrible. In his last in his last Rams game, he made a he made a he he it was really funny. He he called a play dead because Dak Prescott was in the grasp of his lineman Liel Com- Collins. In the grasp of his own lineman. In the grasp. That's the the phrase that think, he that he used. I think. Wait, Liel Collins plays for the Cowboys. Yes, the Cowboys. That's what I said. Dak Prescott plays for the Cowboys, so he was in the grasp of his own offensive guard. Yes, he they ruled the play dead, which basically meant a sack for the Rams, and that backed the Cowboys up like an extra 15 16 yards took him out of field goal range and they had to punt the ball <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious how the hell can you be in the grass with your own player like in in the picture that it looked it, it honestly looked like Dak prescott was just grinding on his lineman jesus he was like they must have just gotten this weird situation where Dak prescott like somehow backed up into his lineman kind of a butt fumble situation kind of like a, yeah kind of and um, and the Cowboys ultimately lost that game, thirty to twenty-two. Sure, that so, one's ridiculous. A lot of people thought that was controversial because he was apparently letting the Rams win all these damn games. I guess. And uh, but obviously we know the outcome of the Super Bowl game, so it's probably not true. Sure, probably just a coincidence. But it is a wild call. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's ridiculous. Like he wasn't even taken to the ground. But it's his own lineman. I didn't think that that kind of thing happened with your own. Yeah. Like, how I don't even... can you be in the grasp of your own <laughs> lineman. Right. It was, it was ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Um, that's basically all I have. I just thought of a couple ones real quick. This one's terrible. And this isn't even, I don't even think this is a conspiracy theory. It's just a rumor. Uh, if you're familiar with the baseball player, Fernando Tatis, he played in like the eighties and the nineties. I think he's an okay player. His son is really good though. His son's a young kid and he's like an up and comer, like a really good player. There is a rumor out there and a pretty good one. That's got some good sources that Fernando Tatis and Joe Buck had a little, <laughs> a little thingy little thing? thing going on. Yeah. Oh, the old Joe Buck. And there's some pretty good there's some pretty good sources with that one. That's not really a conspiracy theory, but that's hilarious. Now Joe Buck vehemently denies it. Sure. But this is the same guy that was getting hair plugs and had a hair plug addiction. So I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is absolutely hilarious. Anyways, and the other one I was thinking about that we haven't even talked about, Urban Meyer. Yeah, no shit. I think he got he was trying to get fired on purpose. I think he was too. Now kicking the kicker, it's a little extreme, but I think he honestly showed up to Jacksonville within a month, realized he was way in over his head. Yeah, and was doing all this ridiculous shit, hoping that he would get fired. <laughs> it's kind of like a Stanza in Seinfeld trying to get fired from the Yankees, like bringing on Tim Tebow and putting him at tight end. Yeah, and then with that chick in the bar, and then yeah. skipping the team flights home, and then kicking Lambo, calling with... all his calling all his coaches losers. Which I kind of think the situation with Josh Lambeau is bullshit. I think Josh Lambeau is being a little sissy, but... Probably, but... It's hard, I, I, it's hard for me to imagine that, that Urban Meyer just walked up to him and aggressively kicked him. <laughs> ki- aggressively kicked his kicker in his leg, which is needed to kick. Yeah. So, you know, I, I find that hard to believe. I feel like he was he had his eye on either LSU or Notre Dame or USC. Well, that ship has sailed, I'll tell Obviously. you. Obviously, <laughs> I, I think his entire coaching career is over. I don't think he coaches again, at least in the, never in the NFL. Yeah. Probably not in the Power Five. Maybe like maybe like a Mac school or something. A young like oh shit. Grambling State just hired uh, Hugh Jackson a few weeks ago. Are you shitting me? Yeah, that's hilarious. Now this is the school that then they canceled their program like ten years ago. <laughs> I feel like they they got rid of their football program for a little bit. Well, they're trying to revamp it back up with Hugh Jackson. Why? Why not? I call him Huge. 
action. <laughs> Anyways, what, what what's your last one? You ever heard of Muhammad Ali's Phantom Punch? Yeah. So this is during a match between Muhammad Ali and Sonny Liston. Liston, sorry. Sonny Liston, February 1964. Now, Sonny Liston was the heavyweight champion. And this dude was no slouch. Sure. This this dude was total, total record was 54-4 and four overall in his career. That's not too bad. This guy was this guy was considered unbeatable, and he was undefeated before he met Ali. Okay. Did you know Muhammad Ali's actual name is Cassius Clay? Cassius Clay, yep. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's real name is Lou Alcindor. Crazy. And Metal Peace's real first name is... It's Ron Artest. Ron Artest. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all you need to cut. I apologize yeah. for being an asshole. You're good. So this guy is really good. Like, you just don't beat this guy. Sure. But it, with the situation of the Phantom Punch, um, Ali hit him with a pretty soft counter punch in, in the first round, like early in the first round. Okay. And Liston just went to the ground, knocked out, unable to recover. And it's like, how is that even possible? This guy barely gets hit, and he gets taken to the ground. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I think a lot of boxing is rigged. A lot of it is. I think it is, too. But this guy apparently uh, fixed it himself so he could uh, pay off some shit to the mob. Because apparently oh, okay. he, he, he was in some trouble, and he's got a lengthy arrest record as well. And uh, I think he was getting into... He had a troubled... He's got, he's, he, he, apparently he had troubled past, so he had some shit to figure out. And I, I think he got caught up with some the wrong people and needed to pay him off. And that happens, especially in boxing, but that happens everywhere. Yeah, I think boxing is probably one of the most heavily betted on sports, and it's been that way consistently forever. Hundred percent. Like you don't think about NFL betting until recently, even though you knew that they were doing it in Vegas, and you knew that bookies have been doing it across the country undercover, underground. But boxing has been a lot heavier, and I think a lot of it's fixed. Like shit, Pulp Fiction, Bruce Willis was supposed to take a dive, (laughs) right, and he ended up (laughs) killing the guy. Anyways, I feel like we could probably do a lot more with that one. It's probably kind of a weird could. topic. Like, it was kind of tough to research, but I started thinking about my own shit, basically. It was kind of hard to research, but it was fun. Anyways, uh, we appreciate you guys listening to this episode. Please tweet us at 30 in the if you guys have any sports conspiracy theories or any conspiracy theories in general that you guys would like to share with us. Yeah, let us know on our Facebook page as well. Yes, please check us out on Facebook. We were getting a little bit of action on Facebook. Yeah, we have. Now, I have to say, and I don't know how your situation is, I don't see anything on the Facebook page. Like, I don't get a for it i don't see any comments or anything Mm -hmm. i can't even see apparently we've been posting videos like facebook's been posting like video videos or something where it's just like it's like their version of like the podcast or something yeah i think when you post it it just posts automatically on facebook it it posts like that yeah i was not aware of this like completely (laughs) (laughs) so and i can't see the videos like i can't go on the page and even see them so yeah i haven't i haven't seen them i just when i listened to the show i listened on spotify sure and so apparently there's a lot going on on facebook that we are not aware of But we'll if you guys have been posting, we, we're trying our best to keep up with everything. If anybody has a question or whatever, we've been trying our best to get these answers up there. But it's a work in progress. We are not social media people. We are so definitely not. We're just a couple idiots with a microphone. We're trying. Anyways, on that note, we thank you very much, guys, for listening. Listeners have been kind of, eh. Now, the episode that you edited did pretty well. It was one of our Edit. better ones recently. So Good. that one came together really well. But uh, we're getting there. I think the holidays probably play into it a little bit. You know, Good. people are yeah. more with the family. Now, if you're with your family over New Year's, or Martin Luther King Day. Or I'm trying to think of what holidays are coming up. Yeah. If you have a Both. big, a big uh, Martin Luther King Day get-together. Tell everybody President about the show. Say, yes, please tell everybody about the show. 
be a little forceful. Don't be afraid to install apps on people's phones. Yes. Subscribe them to the shows. So, like, hey, let me see your phone real quick. Don't be afraid to threaten. Uh, Bluetooth speakers. Definitely get the Bluetooth speaker out. So start playing it. Just like anywhere. Anywhere. Like you're on the street. Just uh, just start playing it. Standing in line. Uh, you got the drive through Anywhere where you are. Going to the gas station. Like when you're in the drive through at the intercom. When they ask you for your order, start playing 4.30 in the morning. Yes. Especially the first episode. <laughs> Especially the first episode. Yes, definitely. They would enjoy that. And then... Um, have you been recognized yet in public? Has anybody been like, hey, you're that guy from 4.30 in the morning? Not yet. I'm waiting. I'm, I think it's going to happen here pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll be coming here pretty soon. Um, we do have some listeners that I've never met before, which I think is kind of interesting. That's fantastic. I Anyways, love it. Thank you, guys. Yes, thank you very much, but we need to get out of here. So Peace. Oh, my God. Yeah, I got to pee so bad. Oh, real quick, before I get into my next news story, I wanted to bring this up to you before, but I forgot. When I was listening to the last episode, and I noticed this in past episodes as well, we say a phrase a lot, and we need to trademark it, and we need to put it on, like, merch and shit. What? We say, can you imagine? I say a that lot. a ton. Both of us do. That needs to be our thing, man. <laughs> It's so funny. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Like, we say it so much. Yeah. It's hilarious. That's but, hilarious. But, uh, my bad. We probably want to cut this. Yeah, you can cut that. But. Workers find time capsule inside base of Robert E. Lee statue. Historians believe it could be the 1887 box they've been looking for. Better call you two in. Wait a second. Better call you two in. But I still haven't found what I'm looking oh for. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, did you plan that? No. That was the dumbest thing that we have done on no. the show. You can cut that if you want. It probably needs to go. <laughs> Give me one second. Cut. Make a go. good blooper, though. We'll see. But, yeah, digging crews wrapping up. Anyways, why don't you go ahead and bust in the one? No. Cut! We're not saying that. <laughs> I was going to say bust out your first one, and then it came out. Anyways. <laughs> why... <laughs> so, why don't you go... <laughs> Fuck. Why don't you go ahead and jump into your first uh, news story? Or... Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... That's funny. Jesus Christ. Anyways, so now we got that out of the way. Uh, what's your first uh, story for this main topic? Woman runs onto Phoenix tarmac to stop playing she missed. To, pl- to stop playing she missed? Yes. She ran out onto the tarmac to stop the plane that she missed. Oh, to stop the plane she missed. Yes. I thought you were saying... To stop playing She Missed. Like, She Missed was a game or something. Oh. Cut. 